love my HBCU. And boy, I love it, love it. I love it, love it. I love my HBCU. And man, I hope my team they won one. I hope my team they won one. Man. I hope my team they won one. I hope my team they won one. I tune into the HCCU Sports Lab to see if my team wanna lose. If they lost, I'm quiet as a mouse. But if they won, keep tab. Uh, I'ma do the dab, yeah. Dr. Cavill, he know what he be talking about. Talking about Mike and Charles, they know what they be talking about. Talking, they compress the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team if they wanna lose. And who the ball? So listen to Professor, yes sir, yes sir, and pay attention, cause he gonna teach a lesson. This is Dr. Bill with Inside the HBC Sports Lab. We're right in the middle of March Madness. Yeah, things actually are kicking off now. They don't start soon. They are off the races now. We'll give you some updates throughout for the HBC programs that you're looking to keep up with. We'll give you that update. Uh, and those teams actually kick off men's and women's tomorrow. We do have some updates from the NAIA. One team is moving forward, one is not. So we have one team left, whether it's in the NCAA Division II or NAIA tournaments, respectively. And we'll tell you who that is if you hadn't heard. I'm sure our fans have, but we'll talk a little bit about moving into the field of eight, elite eight teams going forward. And one of them happens to be an HBCU program. Welcome to episode 373 inside the HBCU Sports Live radio show and podcast. The show that's covering the sporting HBCU dash for all things HBCU sports, for institutions large and small from the NAIA to the NCAA. We share insights and information on the HBCU sports culture. HBCU athletic aesthetics to facilitate the story of HBCU athletic programs in the business of HBCU sports. I'm your host, Dr. Kenyatta Cabell, along with my co-host, Mike Washington, Charles Bishop. Mike Washington is out on assignment. We're going to have to go hunting for him again. I'm not sure what's taking place. Uh, is he sneaking off to watch some of these basketball games? You know, he got a freaking fly miles. It's no telling. We are filming from our home studios and sending a signal live to KCH 1230 AM studios with the Texas Radio Hall of Famer, multi-Hall of Famer, Ralph Cooper, in the beautiful home of Texas Southern University from Houston, Texas. Yes, I'm back in town. Leaving out tomorrow, sneak up there to Dayton, get on back for the show on Thursday. Because uh, I need to make sure that there's a presence here in the office. So we'll take care of that. Uh, today's episode of Inside the HBC Sports Lab is sponsored by THG Agency LLC. THG Agency is a company that provides sporting and educational and consulting and data analytics. Speaking about the tournaments, maybe we'll get into this after uh, you give me your updates and how you're feeling uh, as what some are referring to the snubs in terms of the NIT and mm-hmm. certainly the CDI. With that being said, before we take a deeper dive in that, uh, what kind of news do you want to share with us today, Charlie? And how you well, doing? I'm doing well, Doctor Bill. Of course, we had a uh, a jam packed week weekend uh, this past weekend with uh, you being up at the MIAC tournament. Of course, of both of us being at the SWAT tournament. Uh, you know, just getting settled back into a little spring break action. Just take a quick deep breath here before we go forward with the rest of some uh, HBCU uh, sporting diaspora, if you will. But you take a look at some news, uh, HBCU All-Star Game rosters and awards revealed. And uh, this is huge when we take a look at the HBCU All-Star Game, which will be played uh, at Texas Southern at the HPE Arena uh, April 2nd. But let's go over the rosters of, of, of the teams who will be represented uh, in that game. We start with 
the Dick Barnett team, and that's comprised of the MIAC, SIAC, and independent HBCU All-Stars, uh, Joe Bryan from Norfolk State, Chris Bankson from Norfolk State, Isaiah Burke from Morgan State, Brendan Medley Bacon from North Carolina Central University, Sam Sessoms from Coppin State University, Nathaniel Pollard uh, from University of Maryland Eastern Shore, Demetri Corton from North Carolina A&T, Marquise Goodwin from Hampton. Uh, you have Junior Clay from Tennessee State, Greg Boyd from Tuskegee, Kerry Richardson from Morehouse, and Elik Bowles from Savannah State. Uh, they represent Team Dick Barnett. Uh, we take a look at Team Willis-Reed, which is comprised of the SWAC and CIAA HBCU All-Stars. That is comprised of Cameron Christian from Gramlin, Brian Whitley from Southern, Jordan Carl Nicholas from Texas Southern, John Walker from Texas Southern, Sean Doss from University of Arkansas Pine Bluff, Dontrell McCourt from Alcorn State, Will Douglas from Prairie View, Terry Collins from Mississippi Valley State, Marcus Garrett from Bethune-Cookman, Robert Osborne from Virginia Union, Terrence Hunter, Whitfield from Virginia State, and Corey Williams from Lincoln University. Of course, uh, Team Willis-Reed will be uh, coached by Dante Jackson, who is the head men's basketball coach at Grammar, and Jay Butler, who is the men's uh, basketball coach at Virginia Union University. So uh, those represent the uh, HBCU All-Star rosters. Great updates when you talk about the All-Star games. It should be fun right here in our backyard, Texas Southern University on the campus there. I know Howard, um, a young lady, Erica, uh, she always supporting our bison talk about the fact that the Howard wasn't on the uh, roster. One thing I do want to make sure that people may consider, not to say they did have a graduate guard that could have been eligible to play on there, but they only take players that have expended all their uh, eligibility. In regards to participating in the game, so it'll be interesting to see uh, what that looked like in terms of the All Stars. I'm sure there are a couple of other folks that feel they should have been on the list in terms of maybe seniors or graduate players that exhausted their eligibility. Uh, but that's why it's All Star. You always get those snubs. You always get that. And the question I like to ask is, who do you take off uh, when you want to replace somebody in there? Because there's only a limited number of on the roster. Uh, 13 uh, for the roster. So you're going to add somebody, you got to take somebody off. And I think that's when it really gets good when you start saying, all right, this is the person I take off. And we can get in a little bit of debate out of that. So I'm still waiting to see what that looks like. Mm-hmm. With that being said, um, there was also some major discussion in regards to once the post release, we're doing HBC nightly, the basketball edition, uh, as everything was coming out, um, things went, like most people thought in terms of basically the automatics uh, into the NCAA tournament, Texas Southern, as they won the automatic bid, uh, have a losing record. So they play in the playing game. You have Howard, number one seed. Uh, they will face, I should say, a number one seed as a 16 seed. So you have some games that start out yesterday. We'll get in a little more deeper of those matchups to see what Charles thinks about what those matchups look like. But when it really got interesting is by the end of the night, uh, halfway through the show, yeah, the NIT was revealed. You know, it pretty much comes on about an hour or so after they wrap up, have all the talk on the NCAA Division One men's and women's tournament. And so you get your NIT. We already pretty much knew WNIT. You had the automatic bid, Jackson State, uh, Morgan State as well, because on the women's side, they talk, they take the first and second team to finish in the roster. On the men's side, 
They only take one team, even if there is co-champions, which made things really uh, intriguing this year. Obviously, going into the tournament, we realized that Alcorn State, the Braves had the number one seed. They beat Grambling by three. It was only one contest, so tiebreaker rule, they get that. We didn't or may not have realized that that tiebreaker was also going to govern who would get the uh, NIT bid if neither team actually, well, if Gramlin uh, or Alcorn didn't win the tournament, neither team won the tournament, as I was saying. Uh, mm -hmm. Then Alcorn would get the NIT bid. They did get that. But that means 24-9, 15-3 finish, co-champs, swept Gramlin State, do not have a bid. NIT, then it doubled down and even got worse. CBI came out with theirs, and there was no programming, no HBCU for that matter, uh, in the contest. Even had some coaches, particularly uh, Grambling, uh, Norfolk State, North Carolina Central, that, for lack of better words, lobbied for the fact that they wanted to see about the teams getting in. And when you talk about Central, uh, they made it to the semifinals, lost uh, to Norfolk State, gained it, went overtime after they beat them the previous week to have a second-place finish in the conference. But again, as I remind you, NIT does not take only the first team automatic bid if that team does not win the tournament. How won the tournament, so they were not obliged to take any men's team from uh, the MEAC for the NIT. Central finishes at 18-12, 10-4 in the conference. They're at home. Norfolk State finishes 22-11. In the championship game that goes down to literally last seconds, they're at home. No NIT or CBI bid. And just to throw it out there, you even had Maryland Eastern Shore Hawks, 18 and 13, one of their best seasons in years. Um, as they are lovely setting and showing that they're going to be in the basketball business, nine and five in the conference, tied with Norfolk State for the regular season. Um, they did not get a NIT CBI bid. All right, we understand the NCA. One thing I noticed is doing the kind of analytics. When you look at the NIT, is all the teams that host and basically get at large bids come from the Power Five Conference. You may have one, two that are quote unquote mid majors, but the rest of them, the majority of them, are Power Five institutions. The only mid major, low major, whichever term you want to use, are those outside of the Power Five, outside of the red line, as they like to talk about those programs that are spending a certain amount of money, outside of the brands uh, that some people like to refer to. There was only one or two teams that got in the NIT that did not get the at-large bid, meaning they finished in the regular season as the champion, and then, therefore, they were – and given an at-large bid to the NIT. But none of them, uh, except for maybe one, got an at-large bid. So you see, even the NIT is reserved for the Power 5 program. So I, I think we're, we're going to have to go through a little bit of an education process in terms of what is the criteria, what 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 is the NIT looking for. And I know you've broken this down, especially when we take a look at on the football side of things with regards to uh, the FCS playoffs. but uh, does the NIT do they uh, uh, do, is, do you have to uh, bid to host games or, or what exactly is the criteria going into uh, those teams getting chosen for the NIT? Previously, the NIT was an independent 
tournament. Actually, at one time, it went toe to toe with the NCAA for those that may have forgot that, but they went toe to toe, if you would, with the NCAA. As the NCAA grew, became the favorite uh, with the television programs, the major brands deciding to opt for the NCAA, uh, getting bigger payouts over the years. The NIT just kind of uh, wandered, if you would. And then finally, at one point, they basically sued the NCA. Won that, but in the suit, part of the lawsuit that the NCA decided to agree to is that they would pay out the settlement and essentially take over the NIT. So I would imagine that those boards that cover the NIT essentially are similar to what you see for the NCA, which means the biggest thing you're looking at for a quadrant on wins. So for me, it's not about necessarily the method. We understand the method. We've heard it till you're blue in the face. The question is, is about access. If this is an NIT tournament. It doesn't pay uh, the conferences any. It's a, a way to reward. And you even see teams like North Carolina's uh, Tar Heels that decline. Decline, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, that don't even <laughs> decline the invite to show you how little value they see in it, but still other major brands of the Power Five, if you would, they decide to participate. And they do it in such a way because they want to at least generate some money to break even, if not make some money that they put back in their pool. But I'm saying you're making billions of dollars. And so at some point, you open it up uh, in the terms of equity, if you would. And I know that's a learned term for a lot of folks out there in terms of this equity, diversity that you have, literally politicians uh, that uh, are want creating laws to do away with. But it doesn't mean that I can't put it out there in regards to the landscape of people to consider uh, what is taking place here. Does the NIT pay the conferences uh, in the same way that the NCAA does? I know it's not, no. not, not close to the same amount. but Yeah. People don't even realize the women's basketball tournament doesn't even do a payout mm. uh, where you get a unit. That is only in the men's basketball and of all sports. It's the only one that a conference, if you would, you know, teams earn it, which goes back to the conference. And based on the number of units, meaning the number of wins, that you win throughout the tournament all the way to the final four, you add those units up and then you have a multiplicative effect of where there's a set amount of money that goes to each conference and that's in the millions of dollars. So over a six year period where it rotates the amount that you get, obviously the next year you start your new six year, one year falls off uh, and then if you're winning, you add those two together. So that's the payout that the conference gets. It distributes it back to the institutions and whatever formula they see fit, uh, whatever formula the presidents and chancellors agree to and vote on that's in the bylaws in regards to how to distribute that money. You see different conferences do different things in regards to if a team um, actually goes into the tournament. Uh, you heard this maybe in the Big West, for example, with Gonzaga, they actually get a bigger percentage of that money because They've been able to be successful over the years, so they've negotiated through the conference about having that. So you see that in some of the conferences out there. A lot of them, like the SEC, just divide it equally to all the teams and just cut a check. Uh, when they do their big distribution deal, when you hear about uh, the SEC, SEC distributing like $47 million, part of that money is the basketball money. Part of that is the corporate partner money. Part of that is um, all the postseason events that you see, the tournament 
whether that's uh, the basketball tournament uh, for the SEC, uh, all those sales go to the conference office uh, and then they disperse it based on how the presidents and chancellors agreed upon. But um, to finalize your point to make sure that everybody gets it, no, the NIT does not distribute funds uh, to the school based on that. What you find out is the NCAA will cover travel costs, much like we see with the FCS playoffs. They will have a set amount with the number of band members you can bring, the number of players you can bring on your team, the number of coaches, the number of administrative officials. They have it all capped. Now, obviously, you can bring more because they tend to do charter flights. You can be more, but you're going to be charged and you have to pay for anything above what their set line is when you go in the playoffs. Uh, but great questions, but I didn't want to get it lost in the fact that uh, major concerns there. So one of the questions you put on the table, you know, with solution, should there be a rule if there is a co-champ that the co-champ automatically get the NIT, not just one, or you just simplify it like the women's side that is expanded uh, where the number one and second team finisher uh, gets the bid to mm -hmm. the NIT tournament. Uh, even if the number one team then wins the conference, you have a team in second place that will get it. The third option uh, that you've heard a little bit about, are we ready to have an HBCU basketball tournament in some format uh, after those teams that go to the NCA or the automatic bid to the NIT? Um, do you do that? Could it be profitable? And what does that look like in regards to giving HBCUs are opportunity to continue the season, oh, wow. uh, particularly when they did really well, like Grambling, or North Carolina Central, Norfolk State, uh, Maryland Eastern Shore. You literally have two teams that have 20-plus wins that are at home uh, when there are three tournaments out there to participate in, and they don't get an invite to any of them. That's very intriguing. That's an intriguing possibility there. I, I, we have to, have to dive into that because you have some very worthy teams that were left out uh, and the, the question for me is the fan interest part of it uh, in terms of the uh, HBCU basketball tournament. We saw how that fan interest galvanized with the Celebration Bowl. It might have taken a, a season or two, but it got there. Uh, do, do with the same synergy happen with regards to uh, an HBCU basketball tournament? So that's an intriguing prospect, Doc. Yeah, that's interesting. It's a fair question because um, other than the CIAA, um, as well as the MEAC tournaments doing pretty well in terms of attendance, but not so well for the SIAC or the SWAC. So does that tell you the interest is not there? And do you do it based on the interest? Because uh, now you can get television, whether it's streaming or over the air, are those opportunities that you do it for your students so they have that opportunity? Obviously, we hadn't talked about another team that had a winning season that would be eligible for this. Tennessee State uh, on the men's mm -hmm. side had a great season. And then, obviously, on the women's side, when you start talking about some of these teams that had great seasons, you had North Carolina A&T. Uh, they're sitting at home as well, not getting a bid to the WNIT or the WCBI in terms of what that looks like. So uh, those are some teams that are out there uh, that had great seasons that did not get a invite. invite. Uh, even Howard Bison that went to the championship game uh, nearly pulled it off. They finished with a winning record of 16 and 14. They did not get a bid. So just give me some examples that this is both on the men's and women's side where it takes place at time in terms of teams having great season. Alabama State Lady Hornets finished the 16 
and 15 uh, did not get a bite as well. So we'll take a break. Gave you some things to think about. We'll see what the talking points are out there, what people think about in the lab as we discuss this. With that being said, we'll be right back on the other side as we come back and reveal the major division women's poll rankings. Should be some changes as some tough losses in the tournament. You've seen it all week uh, as you had major upset buzzer beaters right here mm-hmm. in the VAG and SWAT. Stick with us. We'll be right back after this break. Give you some updates on the NIL as well. We'll share that to the end of the show. Um, we do have one team that is still lacing them up. Stick with us. We'll be right back after this break. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Now you can live in Texas and not have a good red meat blend. Texas Cowboy Dust is designed for steak and other red meats. It's out to be my most popular spice blend, made with onions, peppers, ground mushrooms, pink salt, and other spices. Texas Cowboy Dust also goes great with chicken, pork, vegetables, and has a restaurant-quality sheen to gravies and sauces. It's like a loot machine. Vanilla smoked sea salt seasoning is for seafood. The tarragon and fennel bring out the natural sweetness in seafood. I also use it in rice dishes, on yams, asparagus, blueberry pancakes, and believe it or not, chocolate chip cookies. Vanilla smoked sea salt adds a salty and savory component to sweet dishes that create a symphony for the tongue. When you're looking for the latest information on Southern University Sports, the Southwestern Athletic Conference, and HBCU Athletics, there's only one place to go. Tune in to the Carlos Brown Show, exclusively on the Black College Sports Network. The Crystal Analytic Data with your hip-hop, if you know them like I know them, they're going to tell you if your team, if they want to love them, and who's the ball, so listen to Professor Yes Sir yes, and pay attention because he's going to teach a lesson. This is Dr. Mills inside the HBC Sports Lab. Let's get into the poll rankings. Shivery idea. So we're going to start with the women and see what Charles thinks. Some movement this week. We have a new number one and we have a new team that jumps in the top five. But as we start, that means somebody fell out. Who fell out this week? Caribbean and Panthers. 15, 15, 12, and 6 had a really good solid season. I'm sure they were really disappointed in terms of how they finished in tournament. Not that you lost, but they really got pounded. Uh, but we didn't foresee that the team that pounded it had plans uh, to close out the tournament in style. That was something. Receiving votes to get in those teams that are just on the outside looking in. Alabama State Hornets, 16 and 15, 12 and 6, also had a tough tournament after a really solid year, 39 points. Morgan State Bears. 17 and 10, 10 and 4, 32. Remember, their season continues as they got invited to the WNIT, so we'll keep an eye on them. Uh, see how they move forward uh, as their game kicks off tomorrow. Prairie and Panthers close out the season at 15 and 15, 12 and 6, receiving votes at 22 points. Alabama and Bulldogs 14 and 15, 12 and 6 with 18 points. Uh, shut it down as well, meaning we get into top five. Who are the top five programs? 
Howard Bison made a great run in the MEAC and pushed their record to a winning record, 16 and 14, 10 and 4 in the conference play. 49 points, but they remain in the fifth spot. Jumping into the top five is number four, Southern Jaguars. Mm. Really went on a run in the tournament, got it done, and pulled off probably the biggest stunner of this side of HBCUs. Uh, if not overall, particularly on the women's side, Southern Jaguars, 18 and 14, 12 and 6. They take down the queens of the basketball court that were rolling 58 uh, points, not ranked in jump, jump in the top five as Jackson State Tigers lose on a three-point buzzer beater, essentially. A couple of four seconds on the top, but all uh, for it to me, it was basically done. Bring us to number three. North Carolina A&T State Aggies, 18 and 12, 12 and 6. That is 62 points. They dropped down a spot from number two. They close out in the opening round of the Colonial Conference. Bringing us to number two, Jack State Tigers. Uh, they finished 21 and 9, 17 and 1 with one first place vote. They still hold on to it, 73 points. They fall for the number one spot, which means we got a new number one. Norfolk State Spartans, they do the double daily as they get it done uh, winning the MEAC regular season and then getting it done in the tournament, a classic game against Howard as they hold on to get it done 26-6. Uh, that's second championship two in the last three years as they are 11-3. Seven first place votes, 79 points. Uh, they rise from the third spot last week as they get it done. Number one. New number one, Norfolk State Sparks moved to the top after the conference tournament's play has ended in week number 10. We'll see what this means as we get a little further into it, see what they do in the tournament in their draw. We'll get a chance to see how long they make it in the tournament. And they pulled the doozy. They pulled the number one South Carolina State. And on the women's side, they don't have the neutral sites. They play on the home court. And this is the South Carolina team that many people are saying is one of the best women's team, if not the best ever. Um, and so it will be tough to get it done. But Norfolk State, that's why you lace them up and put it down as this is the second straight year that South Carolina was has gone uh, unanimous number one throughout the entire season. Why so go back yeah. to back? Can Norfolk State stop them before they get started? We shall see. Charles, what are your thoughts in terms of the top five programs in week number 10? Uh, no problem uh, whatsoever. I wanted to see how far the Southern Lady Jaguars would vault into that top uh, five because uh, I think if you take a look at the totality uh, of both men's and women's uh, within the tournament, uh, theirs was absolutely the shocker uh, with the last second buzzer beater to knock off Jackson State in the SWAC semifinals. And so uh, the curiosity part for me was to see where Southern would land in that top five, uh, well-deserving to get in the top five. Uh, tremendous uh, swag tournament run. Uh, can't take anything away from Norfolk State Spartans. I mean, they got it done, and they were able to vault up to that number one spot, uh, taking down a, a tough Howard uh, Bison team. It was, uh, exciting uh, tournaments, both on the MEAC and swag tournament side. Dr. Cavill, I have to say that. Uh, but I take my hat off to the Southern Lady Jaguars. They got it done. Uh, they put it together at the right time, and – I haven't seen a team shoot the three ball like that in a long time. <laughs> they were they were 55% in that game against Jackson State, and they were able to carry that over to the championship game uh, where they hit some pretty timely threes. So you take your hats off uh, to Coach Carlos Funches for them getting it done. Last three buckets were three. To be exact. Last three, yeah. yeah. 
And think about this. They literally needed them all yeah. uh, to win the game, just to let you know um, that credit to Southern about just playing through and getting done. But also let you know the talent of Jackson State. And so um, that's dialogue here. I did want to get into this while we got a little time here before we hit our, our next break. Lady Drew uh, asked the question, how is a postseason team outside of top five? In this case, the postseason team he'd be talking about would be out of the Miet. Morgan State Bears, 17 and 10 and 10 and 4, 32 points are outside of the top five. They're in the WNIT. Uh, they get that um, bid as the automatic finishing second in the regular season to their credit. So just like I said earlier, when you talk about the All-Star, who do you take out? Which team do you take out of the top five and replace them with? And before I get an answer to that, Charles, what are your thoughts? Do you believe Morgan State should be in the top five? It sounds like you're good with the top five. But it was a question out there, so I think we're pondering. Who's the number five team? Howard? Who's who's the number five team again? Howard is number five. They made it to the championship. They made it to the championship team. They finished the regular season in the third position. Finished at 16 and 4, 10 and 4, uh, tied with Morgan State, who finished 10 and 4 in the conference race, but did have a better overall record at 17 and 10. Uh, if we're going to base things on, and, and you mentioned this, it is week to week. Uh, you take a look at uh, who was in the uh, championship games, I think both in the uh, in the SWAC and the MIAC. Uh, I, I guess if, if you're going to attempt to, to, to butt somebody out, you're going to you're gonna swap uh, Morgan State with North Carolina A&T or Jackson State. I I I can't uh, I can't I can't, I can't get over that hurdle. I think yeah. you can make an argument for maybe North Carolina A and T because they really hit the buttons on the end of the season, kind of fail, but they had such yeah. a strong overall season. And um, so I don't know. Uh, they did fall a spot. Maybe things will change up next week, and people will feel what AG Drew is cooking out there as he talks about the lab and what his thoughts are. Great comment. Great question. Uh, but. I no, I can one conference loss in the regular season. You get to the championship and you lose on the buzzer, you can't drop them out. I, I yeah, yeah. I think you <laughs> might be able to market. I will say this: you might be able to make an argument for North Carolina A&T State Aggies, uh, but that's about it. I can't drop out Howard. They tied in the regular season. Howard made it to the championship. Southern won a championship. No folks, so you know. Even according to that, that they made postseason, so you can't drop on that. Um, so, so we're, we're going to vault not Morgan State up yeah, to Alabama State actually have more points over Morgan yeah. State, so you skipping them up a bit. Yeah, that's a tough one. Nah, <laughs> I, I don't know if I can. I, can go, I don't know if I can jump that hurdle, baby. <laughs> so, uh, Eddie Drew did time in, uh, chime back in, and he is breaking the argument that I said out there. That AT would be the team he dropped out. So I can see that. Uh, do you bump up Southern to three, Howard to four, and Morgan State to five? He's saying the same thing. First round loss in the Colonial and a terrible last three weeks. I do agree. They had a bad last week. They were so high in the polls, it didn't allow them to fall that far. And then they did get a win in there that kind of pushed them back up with some other teams. Remember, the MEAC was jostling over that last week, as you pointed out, Charles, week to week, uh, which probably helped a in the fact that, remember, Norfolk State was sliding as they went into the tournament. Obviously, they were able to turn it on and get it done. 
Uh, but there were a lot of things working uh, late in the season for the NEAC. So fascinating, great conversation, great dialogue. Want to give AD credit for putting that out there. I appreciate bringing that to our attention. With that, let's go into our second break. We'll be right back on the other side. See if some of the other lab listeners have some thoughts in terms of the top five women's side before we look at the men. Stick with us. We'll be right back after this break. The Cuvée Group is a Florida-based marketing and training consulting firm. We help businesses communicate to their target audience and engage them in conversation. We also help to expand their audiences, which will ultimately result in growth for those organizations. In addition to being a certified constant contact specialist, my colleagues and I are also certified in John Maxwell Leadership Principles. We use these proven principles to conduct workshops, training, and private coaching sessions for individuals and companies looking to take things to the next level. Contact us to schedule a free consultation. Issues today, don't delay, call Cuvay. Since 2002, Empowerment Resources, Inc., a nonprofit organization, has empowered more than 1,500 youth and adults in Duval and surrounding counties. Through its programs, Journey into Womanhood, Girls Mentoring, Life Skills for Teens, and Parenting Education Coaching. To get involved with programs, volunteer, or donate, visit www.empowermentresourcesinc.org. Follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash empowerment.resources and instagram.com forward slash empowermentjax. From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High quality cigars plus personal customer service. Slowburn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. Visit our website www.slowburnwaco.com That's www.slowburnwaco.com Press the analytic data with your hip-hop If you know them like I know them They gon' tell you if your team If they want a lot of And who the ball so listen to Professor Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And pay attention because he's going to teach a lesson. Yes. This is Dr. Ville inside the HBC Sports Lab. Charles, if you would, I want to take a little detour as we come back and we'll get into the major division top five. Before we did that, I certainly wanted to give some love at the NAI level where we have a team uh, that has continued the season. We actually had one that played yesterday, Tougaloo, and Langston to play today, unfortunately for Langston. Um, their season is over as they lose uh, 74 to 60. Tough game where they just weren't shooting very well from the field. 18 field goals compared to Georgetown, Kentucky, which those that may not realize, they have really uh, won several championships and hold it down. For those that like to make the comparison, they would be the Duke, if you would, in terms of number of championships they've been able to win at the NIA level. Uh, and words to the program or similar to what Texas Southern has done in the tournament regular season or even Norfolk State over the last couple of years in regards to how they dominated. They've done it at the tournament. 74 to 60. Georgetown had hit 27 field goals. So you see the disparity in that. And then the second place you looked at is always tough. If you can't get the shots up, that means you really need to close them out on the boards. They could not get it done on the boards. Rebound down in the total. Boards uh, rebounding there, 42-31, so tough matchup there. Before we go to Tougaloo, they got it done. Let me know your thoughts on Langston as they 
uh, are not out of the NIA tournament as they make it uh, to Kansas City as one of the final 16 teams. Um, they do not make it to the eight as they get knocked out today, 74 to 60, um, as things just didn't quite go their way. Well, uh, you know, you take your hats off, number one, the Lynx for getting to the round of 16, uh, just going up against a, 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 a little more superior team, uh, especially that stat that you pulled out, uh, the rebounding stat. And uh, when we talked with Coach Eric Struthers, uh, he, he mentioned that he thought his team could make a deep run because not only can they score, but they rebound the ball very well. So that's the, what makes, I think, uh, Tougaloo intriguing uh, going forward in that they can take on some of these top NAI teams uh, around the country, and they have the firepower that can go with them. But uh, take your hats off to Langston for getting as far as they did. But like I said, from, from here forward, it's about getting those rebounds or getting those rebounds and getting those second-chance opportunities to kind of reset your offense and try to get something up on the rim. Yeah, Langston drops to 29-3 and three, uh, with the loss out of the season. Couldn't quite get to that 30-win mark, but they were right there. Uh, first-year coach that really turned around the season. You can only imagine that it's going to get better from here. But on the other side, you had Tougaloo, which I was watching closely. I wanted to see them match up in like that Final Four final game in terms of a champion for the NIA that happened to be uh, with HBCUs facing each other. But Tougaloo, they're still alive. They have jumped up to 31-1. and one. They beat the number one seeded program in that uh, part of the bracket mm -hmm. in terms of St. Thomas, which is a big win. So credit uh, to Tougaloo, as you talked about Coach Smothers. We brought him on the show uh, doing some great things in regards to how he talked about how talented that team was. They hadn't got love uh, earlier in terms of their position, but I'm sure they're starting to get some recognition now as folks are talking about watch out for the Tougaloo Bulldogs again. They're at 31-1. and one. 14-0 as they went through the Gulf Coast Athletic Conference unscathed. And they are now at the final eight teams uh, in Kansas City as it just gets bigger and better from here. What are your thoughts on Tougaloo Bulldogs as they get it done uh, moving into further down in the conference? Right. A really funny, really funny thought at the SWAC tournament. I talked with a couple of Jackson State alumni, and they were, you know, uh, lament the fact that, you know, Tougaloo had a couple of guys that they thought Jackson State could really use. But <laughs> Cameron Copeland, uh, Coach Struthers mentioned him when he came on. Huge game against St. Thomas. He had 20 points, six rebounds, and three assists. But uh, he's a legit scorer who can uh, take it, uh, uh, who can uh, move off screens, who can put it on the floor, who can get in the lane can create contact and get to the foul line. Uh, he's a, a ter terrific combo guard in, in talking with Coach Struthers about him. So, uh, you know, I think Tougaloo has the ingredients that can keep moving forward going uh, in this tournament. But I'm looking forward to see what they can do. It is it is fun watching Coach Struthers get the flowers that he so rightfully deserves uh, with this team making a deep run in the NAI playoffs. Coach Struthers, he's tall uh, for so long within the, the SWAC, within HBCUs. For him to take a team uh, this far really speaks to his coaching prowess. And I tell you what, I couldn't be more proud of him. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, as the question goes, and they won that game against St. Thomas, 74-68. They were uh, right there with them the whole game, but they were trailing. But that fourth quarter, they really got it going in terms of that second half, I should say, the last 10 minutes, uh, when you think about breaking it up in a quarter or four-minute segments, they dominated the game 
and were able to get big stops, big buckets. So with that being said, you know, it just gets tougher from here. How far do you see this team going in the NIA tournament? They have three guys that can score. They have Cameron Copeland. Uh, I mentioned him. He went for 20 points in this past game, but they have a couple of other guys that I want to make mention of. I can pull them up real quick, but Darius uh, Henner and Antonio Patterson, uh, both of those guys, they can, they can, they can get buckets. So uh, a team that can rebound uh, as well as Tugu does and uh, that, that guard play, they have some guys that can really get in the lane and create contact and get to the foul line. And they have those little mini bursts. Uh, I talked with you uh, uh, at the SWAT tournament about the way I think Jackson says women go on little bursts. But we saw two loops went on, I believe, like an 11 to 5 burst in that game, and they were able to with, with, withhold it down the stretch. But uh, this is a team that has uh, the ability to put 6 0, 8 0 runs together and take control of games. So uh, those are things that you just kind of keep an eye on with regards to two moving forward. I like the great way that you uh, have broken that down in terms of. Uh, as they have a chance to make a move and continue to move forward. Uh, with that, we'll get back with you on the other side. So stick with us. We'll come back with the major division, top 10 programs. And then at the last segment, we'll give you some updates and our thoughts in terms of these matchups uh, going at the major division level for the last segment. So stick with us. We'll be right back after this break. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCU Pride Joy on Facebook and Twitter. The human voice has always connected audiences with experiences. Major brands all across America have trusted Kevers Voice time and time again. Conversational, powerhouse, intelligent, and sincere. That's the voice you need for your creative marketing process. K-E-A-V-E-R-S-V-O-I-C-E dot com. Kevers Voice, Kevers Voice, KeversVoice.com. Always on, all the time. Are you hungry for authentic Caribbean food? Like jerk, chicken, oxtail, red snapper, shrimp, tofu, and rasta pasta? Well, find your way over to Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock. In downtown Atlanta. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant. Open daily from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. And on Friday and Saturday, we're open till 4 a.m. Come to Mango's and put some spice in your life. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock. In downtown Atlanta. For more info or directions, call 404-698-3992. Or log on to mangoscaribbeanrestaurant.com. For instant coupons, text M-A-N-G-O-S to 313131. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant. Authentic Caribbean cuisine. Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they want a lot left and who the ball. So listen to Professor Yes Sir and pay attention because he gon' teach a lesson. This is Dr. Neil inside the HBC Sports Lab. As I was talking about going in the tournament, if Langston would have got it done, you would have had that all HBC matchup in the top eight. Um, so obviously, 
uh, Tougaloo, you can deduce that Tougaloo will face Georgetown, Kentucky in that next round. So to be fascinating, can they get a little payback for Langston or will they be the second consecutive HBCU that Georgetown of Kentucky takes down in the NIA tournament? This is the round of eight. It just gets that much tougher. Fascinating to see what that looks like. With that being said, before we get into the major division for the men, shout out to the lab listeners, Silas Edward McMorris. Theron Waters is in the building saying hi, guys. With Jazzy Faith is making sure that she has a presence in the building as well. Ricky Burton. Karen Griffin is showing us love. Carol Keelum is in the house. G. Boone Holly is always representing. Chad Cooper, Barry Williams. As talked about, Karen Griffin says, the people have spoken. It's time to move out of Birmingham. Oh, wow. Good point. Oh, wow. <laughs> one thing I do want to say about this, that I'm not one to say that Birmingham is the place to be. Uh, you know, I have business there and I work, so I go in there. So I'm not here to belittle or big up. But I do want it, it very important for our fans to be educated about the process. Conferences do not seek out cities because two things will do if you do that. Any revenue that you're making or that you think you will make from increasing attendance, if you go to a city that is not bidding for you, your hotel prices are going to go up. So that's going to affect mm. your fans mm. as well as affect the teams that are staying there in the hotel. Also, you're going to pay for now uh, the operation of the SWAC. You got to pay for them. So that cost is increasing. So you know, you really want to make sure as this process goes that you put out a bid request, which means whatever city that you all are pushing for to support the SWAC, I'm all in game for. But make sure you do your politicking uh, with your city council people, your mayor, uh, and as well as your sports authority to make sure that they put a bid in. That they put a bid in. Let me say it again. Make sure y'all are educated about this process. You want the city that you are seeking to host the SWAC championship game to put in a bid. We're not going to go over there and just place the tournament there because now if you don't have that space, who's to say that wherever you're seeking to go, that they're not bidding for another conference? So what you're saying so is we can't just randomly call out cities. <laughs> yeah. So some of these cities are hosting basketball tournaments at the same time that I see y'all coming out. Y'all not even paying attention to the landscape to at least make a plausible argument in regards to where you want to go. So I'm not saying the cities that you're talking about wouldn't be great cities, but it has to make sense beyond where it is close for you to drive and have a good time. Because hopefully a lot of time your butt is in the stand supporting the game. Because I will tell you now, it doesn't matter much to me because I'm so tired after covering everything all day. <laughs> I want to get a bike, eat, and go to like that. But at some point, you got to be supporting the team. If you're just in the city for numbers uh, to make sure you can go get a good cigar smoke, get some drinks, and have some great food and talk to your friend, you're still not doing any good for the tournament. Yeah, it's great because you get to mingle. And trust me, I like that as well as we talk about it. But I just want our fans to be educated about the process to make sure when they make these requests, that they put it out there in such a way that it can be substantive. So I just wanted to break that down. Let me get in there a little bit off this soapbox. Hopefully everybody understands what I'm talking about, the importance of making sure you have all the information. So I did want to share that. 
Let's get in the top five in the major division for the men and tell you what it looks like this week. We do have a team dropping out. We talked a little bit about this team earlier, team that should be in postseason with a winning record, but they did not get an invite. Tennessee State Tigers, 18 and 14, play some good basketball, particularly near the end of the season. You talk about one of the hottest teams, uh, HBCU sports right now. If you're breaking it down in the parts of the season, you would have to go with Tennessee State Tigers as they started out really hot in the first part of the season, got into conference play, slowed down some, and then got back into it. Now, what about those teams that are on the outside? Texas Southern, yeah, they won the championship, but they had such a log as they started the conference play going on for five, even though they run the table. Yes, they get in receiving votes, but not enough to get in the top five and make a run in the tournament, maybe. Uh, Texas Southern Tigers are 14 and 27 and 11, 56 points. Tennessee State Tigers are behind them at 18 and 14 and 10 and 8. And then Maryland Eastern Shore Hawks that we also talked about ending the season with the winning record, one of the best um, years they've had in some time at 18 and 13, 9 and 5 with 34 points. So let's get in the top five. Let's see who jumps in the top five versus those, that team that fell out, which was Tennessee State. Bringing us to number five. We're going into North Carolina, North Carolina Central Eagles. We told you how hot another team that was really hot at the end of the season uh, was none other than uh, North Carolina Central in terms of the rankings. Uh, and, and at 18 and 12, 10 and 4, they all one spot as they previously ranked four with 65 points, bringing us to number four. Alcorn State Braves get in at 18 and 13, at 15 and 378. They fall. Spots as they go in to number two, uh, as uh, they lose first round. Everybody came into the tournament that was paying attention and did not necessarily like that one and eight matchup. All corners had trouble with Texas Southern uh, in the last couple of years of the tournament. And plus, people had knew that Texas Southern was not only a team that can play well in uh, the tournament, but they basically have everybody else. And they were closing out the season relatively strong, more importantly, healthy. And we see what they did in terms of the bus saw to get it done. They knocked off. Think about this. The co-champs, a one and two seed as well as a four seed. So they didn't do this hurting jerk. They earned it in terms of what they did in the tournament. Bringing us to number three, Norfolk State Spartans, 22 and 11, 11 and three, 88 points. They were not ranked. They went on a run in the tournament. And boy, are you talking about something that they will be thinking about the laptop, lifetime, the wow. inbound pass. At yeah. the end of the game was enough to undo the fact that it looked like they were going dancing, much like Texas Southern, for the third time in a row. It was not to be. Howard Bison had the magical season, regular season, and the tournament as they do the double-double. We'll see where they land. At number two, no. At number two, it is Grambling State Tigers sitting at 24-8, and 15-3. They still earned three first-place votes, 101 points. First place, they couldn't get again, touch the Southern. It seems like they were dragging a little bit in that game in the first half, but they kicked it up and made a valiant effort in a run in the second half. But Texas Southern had just too much or had just enough to cut down the nets as they go dancing for the third time, which now means we have a number one team, a new number one team, and the number one team is out of the MIAC, the Howard Bison that go back to the tournament first time in 30-plus years. 21 and 12 on the season. So they get to the 21 win plateau of 11 and 38 first place votes, 107 points. They move up two spots 
In week number 10, Howard Bison moved to the top after conference tournament play in week number 10. Will they be able to hold on for the regular season? We'll see as they take on the number one seed in the tournament um, as they are one of the few teams left as with all Cornell playing the Wednesday as well as Texas Southern that plays Wednesday as well. Charles, what are your thoughts on the top five? Uh, Tennessee State, how many wins did they have on the season? 18. They went 18 and 14, 10 and 8, dropped out of the poll. They are the second team receiving both behind Texas Southern. So essentially, if you would, they would be number seven team in the total points uh, as they are outside of the top five and could not bump in North Carolina Central, Norfolk State with those 22 uh, wins was the team that overtook them. Uh, yeah. as they lost in the first round of the tournament uh, a couple of weeks ago, really ugly. It really uh, dropped them out in terms of the top five finish at this time in week 10. Well, yeah, that was the thing that I was looking at with this week's poll was by virtue of Alcorn losing to the number eight seed, how far would they slide? And would a team that is receiving votes, would they have enough juice to get into uh, the top five? But when I saw North Carolina Central there at five, the intriguing part for me was uh, the number four team. And that's why I was curious about uh, Tennessee State with them being on the uptick, if you will, toward the end part of the season, if they were able to usurp Alcorn or if Alcorn were able to slide out of that top five. I think if they would have won a game, certainly two in the OBC, Mm -hmm. I think you would have made a better case uh, for Tennessee State, which a couple of things. Man, they would have made a nice run in the tournament, obviously. But that means they would have got to 20 wins as well, which is always a nice demarcation in terms of the success of your season. So the fact that they had that uh, loss at the end of the season would have basically put them tied for second uh, against a team that just moved up to Division I, uh, hurt them. And then you go in the tournament – and the opening round, you really lay a dud. It wasn't even close. So I think when you talk about those success losses, even though they closed really strong before those last two losses, I think that did them in in regards to Alcorn getting a piece of the regular season champion. Sure. Um, and obviously we know about the matchup and go in, went in that um, other than the seedings, I'm not sure how much of that you call it an upset, uh, just one of those demons that sometimes takes place in any tournament around the country. Sure thing. Sure thing. With that, let's take our last break. We'll come back on the other side. We'll talk about some of these big matchups. Get Charles' final thought in terms of what may take place uh, with the first four. Texas Southern uh, takes on Arley Dickerson. We'll see what that looks like. Alcorn State is against North Texas in the NIT. So we'll give you a little bit of what our thoughts are on that. Stick with us. We'll be right back on the other side to close out the show. This is Ryan Fulford. A.D. Drew and I are co-hosts of the BCSN Sports Wrap. We talk about all things related to HBCU athletics. From the games, teams, coaches, and fan interest stories, we cover it all. You can find our shows on Facebook at BCSN Sports Wrap, YouTube at MyJBNOnline, and everywhere you listen to podcasts like Anchor, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. You can also find the show on the Jericho Broadcast Network's app. Make sure to download. We look forward to you joining the conversation and being a part of the show. T. Madden & Associates is a sophisticated and experienced law firm located in your neighborhood. We're turning injury to cash. T. Madden & Associates obtained almost $2 million for my injury. They turned my injury to cash. Now, we can't guarantee how much your injury is worth, 
but we've recovered millions for our clients. Call T. Madnet Associates at 833-PAID-123. That's 833-PAID-123. Nope. Nope. You want him? Ooh, I like him. The Quicker Picker-Upper. Bounty picks up messes quicker, and each sheet is two times more absorbent, so you can use less. He's an eight. He's a nine. Bounty, the Quicker Picker-Upper. You press the analytic data with your hip-hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they want a lot left, and who the ball, So listen to Professor, yes sir, yes sir. And pay attention, cause he gon' teach a lesson. This is Dr. Ville with Inside the HBC Sports Lab. Let's get into some of these matchups. Let's get into the first one. Uh, the first four with features 216 seeds. You have Fairleigh Dickinson coming in at 19 and 5 versus Texas Southern that comes in at uh, 14 and 20 in terms of a matchup after winning the tournament. One thing that I thought was interesting when I started looking at some of the players, but particularly the standings of uh, Farley Dickinson, the Knights, is they actually finished second in the conference. Um, Merrimack, and even though <laughs> you talk about them losing the tournament final to Merrimack that was not uh, eligible to go into the NCAA tournament, so they get the bid even though they lost their game. So this is a team that has lost the last two games Played really the champion pretty well, so they certainly deserve to be there. But that just opens up some discussion that if Texas Southern plays what we've seen them play in the tournament, and they will be comfortable about going into this building, filling the field. They were there literally just last year in regards to what this looks like. So uh, I think that is a favor for them going into this matchup and the confidence about being used to getting on the plane and all the things that go into it. Uh, it's amazing what people may not realize. Um, you finish off this stretch where you play seven games in 10 days. Uh, you get home, and then Sunday you do your watch party, and then you're planning to literally uh, take off on Monday on the jet that takes you in to Dayton. They do a great job of welcoming the teams there in regards to giving them a first-class invite. Uh, but the turnaround is so fast. It's interesting to see which team uh, takes that the best. So let's start here. Uh, with Texas Southern and Dickinson, what are your thoughts in terms of this matchup, which is on True TV 540 tomorrow for those that want to check it out? Uh, you take a look at this game and uh, Texas Southern, they get, again, uh, you talked about their experience playing uh, in the NCAA tournament. I think that bodes well for them. I think that's going to help them out tremendously. Uh, PJ Henry, uh, you talk about a, a money clutch player. Uh, for Texas Southern in terms of their guard play. Uh, put the ball in his hands and let's see what can happen. But I think the big thing for Texas Southern is rebounding. Fairly Dickinson, only one player who is 6'7". Uh, so can Jordan Carl-Nichols, can he kind of stay out of foul trouble? Can he get on the boards? Can he create some second-chance opportunities for Texas Southern? And if that's the case, I like Texas Southern's chances going forward. Well, now you see Kansas. This is the Kansas team that won everything against North Carolina coming back yeah. in the half. Yeah. Uh, one of the top seeds out there won the regular season in uh, the Big 12. For those that didn't realize it, they actually played for the tournament championship 
lost to Big Texas in the Big 12 championship, but oh yeah, self had to be hospitalized, so didn't coach. Don't want to take anything away from the Texas coach as the end or the players they got it done, but just wanted to lay it out so people understand the challenge of this matchup. Howard, 16 seed, 22 and 12 versus Kansas. That is 27 and 7. This is a one o'clock game on Thursday on TBS. West Region, uh, first round in terms of this matchup. What are your thoughts in terms of Kansas Howard? Uh, obviously, I think they got to shoot well. Well, that's, um, yeah. And give easy buckets where the thing gets out of control very early. Yeah, I mean, you take a look. To, to, when you start talking about those power five teams, uh, they have all that height. You know, they can rebound. But I will say this, puncher chance for Howard, if they start knocking down the three ball, they are one of the best uh, three-point shooting teams in the MIAC. And if they get hot, it could make things very interesting for Kansas because we've seen, I think, in the past few years now, that that number one seed, uh, they, they fight and they struggle to get uh, – through that uh that that 16 seed, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, there have been now now we do have some 16 or uh, uh, one upsets now. So uh, for, we have one. Well, yeah, we got one. So I mean, uh, it can happen. Anything can happen. But what should be fun is Howard putting up the three ball. If they start knocking a few down, you never know. Kansas might start pressing. Uh, as you said, you can no longer say that. You know, they used to be the phrase a 16 has yeah. never beat a one. Well, we just seen it happen a couple years ago. Obviously, as a Virginia team. That wasn't as athletic and certainly didn't shoot as well. They like to really get you on the defensive side. So that works to your advantage if you're a team that shoots well. While we're saying that Howard to even have a chance, they got to shoot well. Let's turn the page. Was St. Peter's a 15 or or 16 last year? 16. Uh, Okay. Yeah. When they beat, well, St. Peter's was a 15 seed when they beat upset. Okay. Okay. That's the, um, uh, it was the UMBC, the University. Maryland, That's right. More county, yeah, more a, they got it done uh, in that matchup a couple of years ago. Uh, in terms of Wednesday, we have a NIT first round matchup at seven o'clock. It's on ESPN Plus for those that have the streaming. You can check that out as All Corn State takes on North Texas. Uh, the Braves come in at eighteen and thirteen, and the Eagles of North Texas come in at twenty six and seven. Uh, they had uh, finished the season pretty strong in uh, what is the conference USA. They actually finished second at 16 and four in the conference race. Uh, they get the game and they host uh, that first round to give you some updates. Obviously we talked about on the ladies side, uh, Morgan state going in their matchup. What are your thoughts in terms of uh, the NIT and WNIT matchups? Um, as far as the NIT matchups, I think for all corners, the, the key for them is uh, they can't, <laughs> I don't know. We saw them get six. So they just had the extreme cold spell. Uh, that, that kind of threw things into uh, – uh, to me, it looked like they started pressing, if you will, uh, being the number one seed. And and they felt the weight of that Texas Southern, you know, uh, wave or whatever hit them. But uh, to me, they got to shoot the ball well, rebound the ball well. I think on the women's side of the ball. Uh, yeah, Texas, and just so you know, that women's side is Morgan State, 17-11, at Wake Forest, 16-16. That is on the ACC network, and that is 5 o'clock on Thursday. Uh, it's going to be tough on the, on the women's side of the ball. Um, what we, what at least I've seen with the women is the bigs or the skill position, uh, players, uh, down on the low post. If they are able to get easy buckets and get people in the foul trouble, then it becomes difficult on the guard play, uh, on, on the women's side of the ball. I will say, I think Jackson state is an interesting matchup versus Memphis because they have two very capable bigs. 
but we saw in that Southern game, uh, they just missed too many bunnies, and, and we just don't normally see that uh, with regards to Jackson State. Uh, they normally are able to knock down those those little easy buckets down low and had a couple of players that went one for in that game. So uh, it'll be interesting to see at least if Jackson State can uh, get those easy opportunities and get some uh, easy buckets, and man, I think they can pull the upset against Memphis. So also on ESPN, that's ESPNU at 8 o'clock. So you have your 540 on True TV. You have your 7 o'clock. And then your 8 o'clock on ESPNU is the first four on the women's side. That's new to the tournament. First year of the first four. Uh, Southern takes on Sacred Heart. Both teams are 16 and 16. So obviously in terms of matchups, this is one that you believe that Southern has a chance to winning. Uh, 18 and 14. Uh, versus Sacred Heart that came in 18 and 13 in terms of a matchup. Uh, to give you something there, uh, that is a uh, Thursday game. It'll be interesting to see uh, what they do there. Obviously, Sacred Heart uh, won uh, the tournament, Northeast Conference. So you have both SWAC schools taking up against Northeast Conference on the men and women's side in the open round. Sacred Heart uh, finished number two behind Fairleigh Dickinson on the women's side, 18 and 13 overall in terms of their record. Um, so what are your thoughts in terms of this matchup between Southern and uh, Sacred Heart on the first four of the NCAA? Well, if I'm Southern, I can continue to let it fly from three-point land. I also like Janogia Johnson, tremendously athletic player, uh, was able to get in the lane quite a few times, uh, uh, getting to the championship game, and really was able to pace that uh, Southern offense. Uh, but I tell you what, uh, Southern – uh, from behind the arc, they are hitting it. They are hitting it at the right time uh, in the season. So uh, hopefully, they can continue to stay hot and turn. We talked about this. So I won't ask you to relive it, but I do want it on the record that everybody knows. Norfolk State, twenty-six and six, takes on the number one overall number one seed, South Carolina. That's thirty-two and zero. That is on ESPN. A Friday matchup at one o'clock in Greenville uh, for the first round uh, regional there. Uh, that'll do it for us as we get to it. Any last thoughts you have, Charles? Tremendous uh, MEAC tournament, tremendous SWAC tournament. Enjoyed it. I uh, thought uh, both conferences did a, a great job of putting on a, a hosting a great tournament uh, and a first-class experience for the media. Great stuff. I wanted to do that. I'm glad that you brought that up because I wanted to close uh, by giving uh, kudos to Ben Thompson. Uh, they provided all the things necessary for me to be able to do show at the tournament encouraged me to come down there wonderful uh, shout out to the commissioner uh in terms of what uh, she is getting done there uh, uh to miss uh in terms of what that matchup looks like in so many different ways i also want to talk about um ken rashad give him a shout out for all yeah. the coverage he did for hbc sports great coverage in terms of getting all those interviews in a lot of work there as well as Tali Carr in terms of calling the game. So great work uh, going on there. So I wanted to kind of Santoria Black as well. Close it up. Uh, thank you. Good one. Santoria Black. Thank you for listening to Inside the HBC Sports Lab. Make sure you share our podcast with your friends and colleagues. I am Dr. Yannick the Dean of HBC Sports. Coming from Inside the Lab in the College of HBC Sports with Mike Walsh and Charles Bishop. Again, we want to thank you for listening to Dr. Bill's Inside the HBC Sports Lab. Mike Washington and Charles Bishop every Tuesday and Thursday. We'll be back to give you that, some updates there. Major update poll rankings to let you know what's going on there. And to give you the updates and discuss of what took place on some of those games on Wednesday and what to expect on Thursday. Follow me 
Dr. Kenyatta Ville on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, inside the HBC Sports Lab One on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube, inside the HBC Sports Lab. Dream big, continue to move forward. We'll talk soon. Charles? Of course. Roy? Lecture. Dismissed.